Be thou Hi, this is Christian Boone of Urban Village Church in Chicago. Hope you are doing well, friends, where you are. My apologies last week for no podcast. I wish I had an excuse, like I was violently ill or I had taken the week off, but none of those happened. It was just one of those weeks and just never got around to it, so my apologies. And I hope that this one may make up for it. So as, I, uh, as I've said in previous podcasts, we're in the midst of this sermon series called Flourish, where we talk about how perhaps we can find joy in what we do for a living. And before I get into that, though, let me read the text that we'll be focusing on today. This comes from the prophet Jeremiah. This is Jeremiah 29, verses 1 through 7. And as part of this, too, sometimes in the Old Testament, they have these really long words and names that are hard to say. So this one has a few of them. So bear with me if I stumble over some of them. So this comes from Jeremiah. These are the words of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the remaining elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the court officials, the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem, the artisans and the smiths had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Eliasa, son of Shaphan, and Jemariah, son of Hilkiah, whom King Zedekiah of Judah sent to Babylon to King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. It said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat what they produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. May God's blessing be on the reading of this word. So my wife and I are fans of the television show The Good Wife. And it focuses around a main character named Alicia Florek, who is a lawyer. She's married to a man named Peter Florek, who is a politician. And uh, now where we are in the series, he is the governor of the state of Illinois, but he's also running for president. And so this particular episode that ran about two or three weeks ago showed the Iowa caucuses, which, of course, we now know in our own day happened this Monday, February 1st. And so they show Peter Florek running for president at the Iowa caucuses, and they show the results of how everything turned out, and they show the top candidate, and they're showing real live candidates in this show, so Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders, and Peter Florek gets last in this caucus or in the results. And then as they show the results, they then cut away to Peter's mother, who is watching also the results on TV. And the mother, there's another person standing there in the room with her. The mother says this. She says, do you know what was invented in Iowa? And the woman standing next to her says, no. And then Peter's mother says, neither do I, because Iowa has contributed nothing to our union. And I don't understand why a state so insignificant gets the right to kick off our presidential primary. So a big dig here to the state of Iowa, and of course, many of you know I am from Iowa. I spent the first 24 years of my life in Iowa, and so when I heard those, even though this is a fictional character, I was a little upset by this. I'm like, how dare she, to this fictional character, how dare she say these things about the great state of Iowa? And then I get defensiveness, defensive about other people who say, Iowa shouldn't have this really important place at first, and Lots of criticisms. Some of them are understandable and good criticisms. But of course, when you when someplace is your home, 
logic doesn't always win out. And I thought about what went through my head this week as I was reading through this text from Jeremiah this, and also how it relates perhaps to this sermon series that I mentioned earlier, again called Flourish, where we talk about how we might integrate our faith into what we do for a living. And today's text and sermon and podcast is really about work and that it's not just about us, but it is about where we are beyond our walls too. It's about me, but it's also about us, our work. And we ask the question, is it possible to do work that leads to a sense of common good, not just for you, but for others? So in other words, I want to focus on verse 7 in this text, which again says, Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. So we need to do a little bit of background on this text, so I need to give you a quick history lesson about Israel. So I don't know how much you know, how up-to-date you are on your Bible, but you may have heard of the man called David. You may have the story of David and Goliath. He later becomes King David. And it was under King David that Israel was really one united kingdom. And this is in the late 11th century or so. Now, it didn't, was not united for very long. After David died, it was taken over by his son Solomon. It was still united. But after Solomon died in the year 924, two kingdoms split Now, the northern kingdom was called Israel, and the southern kingdom was called Judah, and Judah is where Jerusalem was. So they went went forth from that time, from 924, as two different kingdoms. The northern kingdom, again, Israel, was on its own, and it was its own entity until the year 722, when it was invaded and taken over by the Assyrian Empire. Judah, then, the southern kingdom, was on its own until the year 597. That's when the Babylonians took over and took over Jerusalem. When the Babylonians took over Judah, then the Babylonians essentially kicked out the upper classes, those who were skilled artisans. In the text, you may have noticed then it says this was after a certain king and court officials and leaders and artisans had departed from Jerusalem. They didn't leave on their own accord. They were kicked out by the Babylonians. And we see here now that there's a new king. It's called, his name is Zedekiah. He was really a puppet ruler. The Babylonians put him in charge. Zedekiah started having some visions of grandeur on his own and thought about rebelling against, uh, against the Babylonians. <clears throat> but he was advised not to by a prophet named Jeremiah. And that's where we find today's text. Actually, today's text is Jeremiah. It's a letter written to those who are in exile. So, again, when the Babylonians took over in 597, they kicked out, really, the upper class, those who were skilled, those who were artisans, kicked kicked them out into the outer regions of of Babylon and separated them from their home. So you can imagine, if you are kicked out of your home, how you might feel when you are kicked out of your home. You have to go and live in a strange land, not by your own accord. And so you probably have some dreams of maybe returning back to your home one day. So Jeremiah is writing to those in exile, those who are yearning, no doubt, to come home. Jeremiah sends them the letter that we read today, which is why these words from their prophet may seem so strange to those who are in exile. All right, Again, they are in a strange land, and they are not there because they chose to be there. And Jeremiah's advice is this. Again, verse 5, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. 
take wives, take wives for your sons. May they bear sons and daughters, multiply there, do not decrease. And then he ends once again by this saying, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. So no doubt, again, that those who are in exile are feeling a yearning for their roots. So if maybe a Babylonian says something awful about their home back in Judah, they may have felt the same way I did about, that's my home. You don't talk poorly about my home. But instead, the advice is stay where you are. Build, plant, stay there for generations. And not only that, but pray for those who have taken you into exile. All of these instructions may seem so bizarre to those who are there because it's just the opposite of what they are feeling, right? They are feeling like we want to go back home. We want to uh, leave this place. And yet the advice that Jeremiah gives them is something totally different. Stay where you are, plant, build, Yearn for the common good where you are located. And so that's kind of where we get a little bit of where we want to go today to think about where you are today. Now, I think probably most of us live where we live by choice. But you may have in our minds, sometimes we may feel like, I want to be somewhere else. or I want to go somewhere else. And instead... How often do we think, what can I do to make sure where I am, where my rootedness is, flourishes? What can I do to seek the welfare of the city where I am? And that's what Jeremiah is saying. And for us, I think it's the same thing. Through our work, through what we do, is it possible through our work to be able to build the welfare of the city where you are today? I think for most of us, that I'll be talking to you on Sunday, it is in the city of Chicago. And at times, for some, they may think like, well, they may feel like I'm in Chicago just for a couple of years, and then I'm going to go either to the suburbs or I'm going to go back home to where I grew up, all of those things. And sometimes it's it's can be a little tiring for me growing up in the city as well, just because it's just busy, right? And sometimes it can be tiring, and so I'm like, oh, I just want to leave. And yet... This week, as I was thinking about that and reflecting on where I am and hearing what God was saying to me through this text is, stay. Are you truly seeking the welfare of the city through what you do? So first, let's take a look and think about, again, reflect on what do you do for a living? And so often when we think about what we do for a living, we think about how am I performing? How are my performance reviews? And Am I getting raises? Am I making enough to get by? These are all understandable, natural things to worry about. We need to, as we said last week in the story I told, we need to pay the rent, right? We need to put food on the table. These are both good things. But also, whatever we do, can we have an impact that goes beyond just our own paycheck and our own performance reviews? Can what we do have an impact on the city where we live. It goes beyond ourselves. I remember a few years ago in a former church of mine, there was a guy whose name was Norm, and he worked in advertising, and he worked for Suave Shampoo for many years. And at times, 
he wondered, like, he worked in marketing, so he was wanting to do all he could to sell, to get people to buy Suave Shampoo. And at times he kind of thought, is this really what I'm here for in my life? I mean, is there something more to my life than this, than just selling Suave Shampoo? And he expressed this to one of his coworkers one day, one of the guys he worked with in advertising. And the guy took him down to the plant where they were making this shampoo. And he said, I want you to look at all the people on this assembly line. He said, what we do in selling shampoo helps these individuals pay their rent and puts food on the table. And it helped Norm understand that what I do can have an impact just beyond myself. It's not just about my job performance. It's just not just, not just about my own uh, welfare. It is about something beyond myself. And for him, in that moment, he saw it was also for the people who were working at Suave Shampoo, how he did his job affected them. And he made it realize my job is more than just me. It is also working for the common good. So how can your work in life seek the welfare of the city, no matter where you are, how can it have an impact? And I think, generally speaking, maybe we can look at in two different ways. We can look, maybe you are in a job that can have an impact inside your organization or inside your company or inside your business. Are you in a position where you work to have an impact on your organization and your business's practices? For example, do you have an impact on their hiring practices, how they treat others within that company, within that business? Can you have an impact so it helps your co-workers or on those who have yet to be hired by your business. One of the things that made me think about that, just this week I was reading an article that said 47% of 20 to 24-year-old black men in Chicago and 44% in Illinois were out of work or out of school and out of work in 2014. And that's compared to 20% of Hispanic men and 10% of white men in the same age group. This is from a report from the University of Illinois at Chicago. And this is compared, numbers of black men are far worse in Chicago than they are in Los Angeles and New York City. In Los Angeles, it's 31% of black 20 to 24-year-old men were out of school and out of work. Sorry, in both Los Angeles and New York, it was 31%. And that's what the average is nationally as well. And yet in Chicago, 20 to 24-year-old black men, 47% are out of school and out of work. And it went on to talk about all of the different things that can tie into that. And there we've talked at times about structural systemic racism that plays into that, poverty that plays into that, the kind of original sin perhaps of our country and, and slavery still plays into that this day. There are lots of different ways, and we will talk about, have talked about here at our church, but also... Where you work, can you have an impact on your business, on your organization, to see what they can do to hire some of these young men, to help some of these young men get education? Can you mentor some of these young men so that they can get work? Can you work to dismantle some of this racism as well? But can you, where you work, have an impact to maybe put a dent in that, to help the city flourish in that way? And you may think to yourself, I am so low on the rung at my corporation or where I work in my business. And that may be, but still, I think that's something to really pray about rather than just say, I I can't have any impact at all. At least to pray about what impact can I have within my 
business or in my organization or my nonprofit or my school or whatever it is, what can I do to have an impact on my city so that it flourishes, so that I'm seeking the welfare of the city? What can you do inside your work so it's not just about you and your own job performance, but it's about how you can help your coworkers and how you can help others who may be seeking to work for your company as well? Pray about that. And maybe if not right now, you can't have a direct impact. Maybe someday you will be working in a position that you can have an impact on that as well. It's not just about you and your own job performance. So that may be inside your organization. But then can you also maybe have an impact outside your organization's walls as well? Can your business or corporation do some things in order to help the flourishing of the city and also of the world as well? I think I've talked before about some of my favorite folks in in a coffee shop in the South Loop neighborhood of where I work in Chicago uh, called Overflow Coffee Bar. Overflow has helped Urban Village out in in various ways. Uh, A week ago, we were handing out coffee uh, to people who were getting off the Roosevelt stop that had coffee sleeves that said Urban Village on them. And this was given to us uh, essentially for free by the folks at Overflow. We were also trying to promote Overflow as well. But we were really greatly... uh, blessed by this gift that Overflow gave to us. And I've gotten to know Overflow is roughly about the same age as Urban Villages. So I've gotten to know Brandon and Amanda Neely, who are the owners of Overflow, pretty well over the years. I've always been so impressed by their desire to have an impact, not just on their own bottom line, but their impact. Like what, And they think to themselves, what impact can we have for them in this part of Chicago, in the South Loop, and also beyond as well. So, for example, their mission at Overflow is to inspire a genuine and local community of people who change the world with their purchasing power, time, and talents. And they do that by promoting ethical economics. So they have um, they use uh, coffee from farmers who grow the raw materials, promote fair labor, environmentally friendly practices, and they only use direct free direct, direct trade coffee that pays at least 25% more than the minimum fair trade rate directly to farmers. So that's just one thing. And then they also seek to do community building in the neighborhood. Brandon and Amanda have helped start something called the South Loop Alliance. They looked around and they realized that there was really no place where businesses in the South Loop were working together to bring about the welfare of this part of the city. And so they started the South Loop Alliance. This has only been going now for a few months, but they started to called together other businesses, and now there are about 20 businesses in the South Loop to say, what can we do to help the South Loop and its welfare flourish? And so I think to myself as well, are you a musician in your work, in your school, in your corporation, to have an impact beyond your walls as well? And I think about that as a church, our organization, what can we do in my own uh, in our own place here in the South Loop and overseeing all the different neighborhoods in the South Loop, what can we do have an impact beyond where we are and what we do as well so that we are seeking the welfare of the city? And the South Loop, for example, is a pretty affluent part of the city. Can we look at neighborhoods to think about what impact can we have in neighboring neighborhoods as well? But we're asking ourselves the question, continually putting before us verse 7 of this text. Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. So no matter where you are, whether you are in a city that you want to be in or not, 
I think one of the things we can get from this text is to seek its welfare and to do so through what you do for a living. It says, build houses, plant gardens, help it to flourish, pray for the flourishing of what you do and where you are as well. Think beyond your own job performance and think about what you can do to have an impact on the city or town or village where you live as well. Amen. Well, friends, thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. I hope that you begin to think about where you're located and what impact you can have through your work and through what you do for a living. As always, if you have questions or pushback or reflections, feel free to reach out to me. Email chris at urbanvillagechurch.org or on Twitter. I'm at Christian Kuhn. And I'm happy to interact with you in those ways. So until next week, I promised two podcasts in a row. I hope that the peace of Christ is yours. Be thou my wisdom and thou my true word. I am.